Welcome to the Contreras Report, Business Mexico. I am Raul Lowry Contreras. I thank you for being there. There are many things going on in Mexico today. It's amazing what's going on in Mexico because some of it is an exact parallel of what's going on in the United States. The Mexican government has shut down the Mexican economy like the American government has done in the United States. There are groups in Mexico, private enterprise groups, that are stepping up to the plate to save and help small and medium-sized businesses. In the United States, it's the government that's doing that one way or another with a couple trillion dollars in money. The Mexican government is not doing that in Mexico. There, it is private enterprise so far, and I'll discuss that in great detail. Okay, now we also have a very interesting development from the Trump administration. The Trump administration, headed up by President Donald J. Trump, has been known for the past three years and for during his campaign as being very anti-Mexican anti the Mexican people by calling them criminals, rapists, drug smugglers, and Mr. Trump announcing on his announcement for the presidency that there were some nice people, some, some good people in Mexico. But most of them were rapists, criminals, drug smugglers. And worst of all was NAFTA, the North American Free Trade Agreement, which Trump called the worst trade agreement in history that was designed by brilliant Mexican negotiators who were smarter than stupid Americans they dealt with and that was organized only to rip off the United States, to rip off billions and billions of dollars from the United States and jobs. That's how Trump announced for president. And yet the Trump administration in the past few days has done a total 180 degree switch, a new paradigm, which we'll discuss. And then there's the border and how the border crossing is working. And if uh, it's keeping people from coming to the United States, if it's keeping Mexicans and not keeping Americans from crossing the U.S. at their leisure, I'll discuss that. Okay, first of all, the shutdown in Mexico. The country's been shut down. The president ordered everybody to stay home, close schools and uh, businesses, uh, told uh, um, restaurants and bars and non-essential business shut down. Everybody's wearing a mask down here and uh, the orders are being followed uh, to an extreme level, one thinks. Banks are closed. For example, I would think banks are essential. Banks are closed. I stood in line today to use an ATM to draw some pesos out so I could go shopping. The line was wrapped around the bank building itself, a separate building. And there must have been, as I drove away, I estimated 40, 50 people in line. And that's how many were in line because I got in at the end of it myself when I, when I went there. Okay, I had to stand in line to go into a supermarket, the Cali Max store in Rosarita Beach. And then uh, I had to wear a mask. And everybody, all the customers were wearing masks. I had to stand six feet apart and when I was standing in the checkout line at the cash register. And uh, 
same things that I had to do when I shopped in San Diego last week. So yeah, I'm I'm living south of the border, about 20 miles, and yet right now the things are identical on both sides of the border. The traffic is gone in Tijuana, it's empty. The traffic is gone in San Diego, the freeways are empty. And um, everybody is staying home, and yeah, that's a good thing. Yeah, hopefully that'll that'll keep the effect of the coronavirus down. Okay, so we have 18% of the Mexican businesses that have been declared essential that are open. You have about uh, of the remaining uh, percent of businesses, 87% have closed, according to the Mexican government. But about 13 to 14 percent are still open, and they're doing it in defiance, and uh, they're they're you know doing what what is going on in America, where protests are, are getting organized now on the street, protesting the shutdown and the um, uh, the shutdown of everything. Now, the government here, though, not like the United States, where the government is leading the way with trillions of dollars to direct expenditure with direct checks to people, uh, to to you Americans, you're getting, if you qualify, $1,200 from the federal government. That's not happening in Mexico. And if your business uh, falls under certain parameters, then it can get a, a, a forgivable loan from the American government. That's not happening in Mexico. But what is happening in Mexico is uh, private enterprises standing up, coming to the plate, and they're hitting home runs. We're going to take a break right now. When we come back, I'll tell you how private enterprise is saving the Mexican economy. We'll be back. We're back. Okay, how is private enterprise in Mexico saving private enterprise in Mexico? Well, two ways that I know of right now, which I'll report to you here. Number one. The Mexican Business Council is an association or an organization of the 60 largest companies in Mexico. For example, Carlos Slim, the multi-billionaire, his companies, Telmex or whatever, whatever one it is that qualifies, and um, uh, he's he's and his people are in there. The Escarga family that owns Televisa, uh, they're involved and. You know, the, the, the Grupo Modelo, the big uh, brewery, and whatever companies, you know, big construction companies, cement makers, uh, factories, what have you. And what they're doing is, what they did do, is they went to the Inter-American Development Bank in Washington, D.C., and they negotiated a $12 billion revolving credit to be used by small and medium-sized Mexican businesses. The association, the association is guaranteeing the loans, not the government. Just the opposite of the United States. The association, the private association, is guaranteeing those loans. Now, coming in from from the side is Grupo Modelo, the beer maker that makes Corona beer and Grupo Modelo and Modelo Negra, my favorite beer. And uh, they've come in and they've put together a deal with a Mexico City finance company called Confio, which is K-O-N-F-I-O, uh, for Confio to administer 
this program of Grupo Modelos that they've put together to help their vendors. In other words, any store that sells Modelo beer or a Modelo product has to be uh, a customer, right? They have a vendor's number. They have a customer number or vendor's number. And if they have that, they can go online and apply at the website set up for this for a loan through Confio, which will handle the administrative uh, portion of the loan and handle the repayments and what have you. Grupo Modelo is guaranteeing the loans. So in these two instances, you have huge companies in Mexico. They're stepping up to the plate and they're doing what the government is doing in the United States. Number one, you might say, oh, that's pretty big. Yes, it's big. It's a big deal in Mexico. And it's really a great deal. And it is a perfect example of why private enterprise is better than government when you stop to think about it. Because here, the program in the United States has huh, been fouled up from the beginning. How long did the small business loans last? What, a couple of days? And then they come, the Los Angeles Lakers got a loan? Uh, Ruth Chris Steakhouse got a loan, $10 million. And some companies, they're not ashamed at all. They say, yeah, we got the money and we're not going to give it back. SeaWorld in San Diego is applying for a loan or, or got one or at least is applying for it. And yet they've laid off 95% of their employees. What the heck do they need a loan for? Hmm. Okay. So that's the situation in Mexico today. Uh, private enterprise is stepping up to the plate, and I'm very proud of them for doing that, of people in private enterprise. Very proud of them for doing that. The second thing we want to talk about is something very, very strange. You all remember President Trump and how he blasted the Mexicans, criminals, rapists, drug smugglers, NAFTA, the worst trade deal in history, and they're ripping off the United States, and he's going to handle them, and he's going to slap tariffs on them. He was going to cancel NAFTA. Well, he did none of those things. And here, maybe, is why. Ellen Lord is the Undersecretary of Defense for Acquisitions and Sustainment. I believe she's a President Trump appointee. I believe that's an appointed position. I think all the undersecretaries are. She has just announced that she is starting a campaign along with the rest of the Trump administration to get Mexico to open up factories that have been shut down because of the coronavirus. Open Mexican factories, especially the ones on the border, because, she says, they're key to the American supply chain for automobiles. And get this, and here's why this is so important. The key supply chain for American defense contractors. So a company doesn't necessarily just build or make um, airbags in Juarez, Mexico, uh, using the same equipment they might be making portable tents for troops. Other companies that are manufacturing Levi's in, Mex in Mexico uh, can make American military uniforms and do. And on and on and on. 
And so we have the Trump administration, not Mr. Trump himself, he hasn't said people about this, but we have the Trump administration literally begging the Mexican government to open up factories that have been shut down because of the coronavirus. <laughs> I think that's hilarious. But it also shows how good NAFTA was in building up Mexico, at least. But in building up Mexico in, in, in an industrial sense, it helped the United States because instead of making little tiny parts, American manufacturers can make airplanes. You know, Boeing can buy parts for its airplanes. It'd rather not make them because that's paying a lot of people a lot of money to make little things. So they'd rather buy them from Mexican suppliers, NAFTA suppliers. NAFTA was the best trade agreement ever, ever written and implemented by the United States of America and the best for Mexico too. And it's very important for the United States, Canada and Mexico to work together like they have for the past quarter century under NAFTA. Who leads the world in energy production and reserves? The NAFTA countries, Canada, the United States and Mexico. Not Saudi Arabia, not China, not Russia, Canada, the United States, and Mexico, under NAFTA. Now, that leads me to the, the fact that Trump said he was going to renegotiate NAFTA, uh, he was going to throw it out, and it was a stupid trade deal, and he was going to, because he's the world's greatest negotiator, was going to negotiate the best trade deal ever. Well, he got his trade deal, the U.S.-Mexican-Canadian trade deal. It's called the USMCA, and it's been approved by all three countries, and all the details have been worked out. And they just announced the other day that the USMCA will go into effect on July 1. In other words, the Mexico that the Undersecretary of Defense is talking about is under NAFTA still. So everything that Trump said about NAFTA was wrong. But now we have the USMCA, his baby. And in reality, except for kicking up the percentage of North American-made parts in the North American cars to qualify for duty-free travel between the countries, uh, the, the percentage that was required under NAFTA was 62% over a period of years, and they finally got there. And uh, the new trade agreement calls for it to be to rate over a period of years to 75%. Big deal. So Michelin will build another plant in Mexico to produce Michelin tires for American cars or for uh, NAFTA cars, cars made in Mexico or Canada. Yes, President Trump got his trade deal. He calls it USMCA. I think we can all call it NAFTA 2.0. And I want to talk about the border now. On March 20th, the President of the United States announced that he was going to restrict entry into the United States on the Mexican and Canadian borders. And he was going to do so because of the coronavirus and and uh, it was going, but and he was very careful to say he personally said this will not affect trade. Trade was untouched, and I'll explain why in a minute. It was just people crossing the border, and it was people making non-essential trips. In other words, 
a Tijuana family crossing the border to go to SeaWorld or the zoo or to have lunch on a Bayside restaurant, which they can't do in Tijuana because there's no bay. Uh, those people were shut down and theoretically, and he said that it did not apply, the, the, the restriction did not apply to American citizens. So the Mexican, uh, the American citizen could go down to Real del Mar and play golf, which is uh, about 500 yards from where I'm sitting right now, and then come back with his golf clubs in the car. And he could say, oh, why are you, uh, uh, the American officer could say, uh, what's your purpose uh, in, in this trip or where are you going? I'm going home. Uh, where have you been? He said, well, I was down here playing golf. Well, that's permissible because the restrictions didn't apply to American citizens. And so, and a permanent uh, green carter, you know, the, the permanent residence. So I was in line when the announcement was made. Since then, what has happened is the Mexican traffic in the United States has essentially dried up. And instead of seeing Mexican license plates by the hundreds in the traffic lanes coming to the United States, uh, it's all American plates now. It's all Americans crossing the border. Now, they have three segments of the border. They have the all traffic, where you have to have a passport, and that's it. Then they have the ready lanes, where you have a special border crossing card that has a chip in it and gives them all kinds of, you hold it up and the picture is taken into a machine and it goes right into the border officer's computer. And then you have the sentry lanes. Sentry lanes are uh, favored entry cars and pedestrians by people who have a sentry card, which you get when you apply to the U.S. government. The U.S. government investigates you the FBI and they run you through the computer to see if you got any outstanding warrants, etc., etc., or felony crimes, whatever. And then uh, they approve you. You register yourself and your car, and uh, only you can use that card. It's got your picture on it. You hold it up at uh, a machine that has a camera on it and puts it right into the the officer's computer. And when you get up to his uh, his uh, booth. He says, uh, you have anything to declare? He already knows who you are because you're right there on his computer screen with picture and everything. And uh, do you have anything to declare? No, sir. Where are you going? Oh, I'm going to Kaiser. I'm going uh, uh, to get my mail or whatever. And he says, you know, okay, see ya. And off you go. And it takes, it would normally take 10, 15 minutes. With this border restriction, the border, the regular all traffic lines are now taking up to two hours. The ready lanes are taken an hour, and the sentry lanes are taken 45 minutes or an hour, whereas they used to take me 10 minutes. So it's sort of a, sort of a, that's not a nice situation for the border crosser. But at least they haven't shut the border down because that's what President Trump said he was going to do, and he hasn't done it, and I think he found out that he can't do it. He'd have to shut the border down except for American citizens. How could, what would his excuse be to shut it down unless everybody coming across the border was bringing a disease with them? And the only way they'd know that is to check everybody. And so they might, you know, there might be an edict. Well, we're, uh, anybody with symptoms we're not letting through regardless of whether they're Americans or not. Although I don't think that would hold up in court, but it might. Uh, but I don't think it would. Uh, so, but they'd have to check everybody and think that one out through. Okay, so 
Another problem with the border is that rich Mexicans have traditionally flown from Mexico City and Guadalajara to the Tijuana Airport, and uh, because that's so much cheaper than flying into Los Angeles or even San Diego, uh, like two hundred dollar difference. And so they fly into Tijuana, which has a beautiful, uh, fantastic airport, bigger than San Diego's right now. And um, then they have uh, their uh, chartered uh, SUV or limousine or what have you. And that uh, cro they cross the border into the United States and uh, stay at fancy hotels like the Hyatt or the Marriott on the Bay, Intercontinental, um, or uh, maybe up in La Jolla. And then they go shopping in uh, San Diego's Fashion Valley, which is uh, named properly. Uh, there is a Neiman Marcus store there, but it's closed right now, but all the retail stores are closed. But it was closed before then because Neiman Marcus, a very famous store based in Dallas, Texas, with 26 locations around the country, is shut down not because of the coronavirus, but because they're going bankrupt. They're on the market. Uh, Nordstrom is looking at them. And, uh, and if they don't get a buyer, they're going to have to declare not Chapter 11, Chapter 7 bankruptcy, go out of business entirely. The rich Mexicans have spent years, years shopping at Neiman Marcus. The only reason that store could even make it in San Diego was because of rich Mexicans. Well, if Neiman Marcus is going out, uh, that would uh, sort of pull the curtain down on the reason why they come up here and go shopping. And they don't fool around. I personally have observed rich Mexicans spend thousands of dollars, hundred thousand dollars in one trip, and then lug it all back to Mexico duty free. How they do that, I don't know, but they do. And anyway, um, you have to wonder, wow, what's happening in the American economy? Oops, wait a minute. If everybody's shopping online, then companies like Neiman Marcus, the only way they could possibly survive was be to, to shrink in size and just do online uh, shopping, uh, handle online shopping. Well, that's the way it is. The whole world is changing and we're watching it change. I'm sitting here in Mexico, having gone today through all the things that I would go through in the United States, standing in line, banks shut down, and although I don't know if the banks are shut down in the United States, but they are in Mexico, at least here in Baja, California. Even the beaches are closed here in Baja, California. I know, because I can't take my dogs. I have a beach here, a nice beach, and uh, which is why I moved here. And I have my two little dogs, and I can't take them for a walk on the beach now because our gate to the beach has been locked, and I can't get on the beach, at least here from home. Oh, well, so much is happening in Mexico and the United States, but, and so much is happening between them. That's the reason for this program. And I hope you are better informed now than you were a little while ago. And I hope you look forward to the next edition, the next issue of the Contreras Report, Business Mexico. This is Raul Lowry Contreras, and I'll see you very soon. Thank you for being there.